Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. And I'm Jay. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, The Spectacular Spider-Man, the short-lived animated series. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. Now, am I right in thinking that until we decided to do this for the podcast, you'd never seen the show? That is correct, yes. Uh, I'd heard about it. I'd seen uh, references to it. Uh, I, my good friend and former housemate, this is actually his favorite Spider-Man cartoon, and he has raved about it to me for quite some time. But I, I never got around to watching it. So I've watched it now, and I have many things to say about it. Um, I think the big thing I, is... Right off the bat, this is two seasons for this show. They had planned out five. Yeah. What killed it? More than that. Yes. Five movies. Sorry, five seasons of TV shows and standalone movies for when he's in college afterwards, uh, straight to DVD or home video or in this day and age, home streaming. But that all got ripped away when the... Amazing Spider-Man rights were going in because Marvel purchased up the, the remainder of the rights and that with that went the TV rights. So Sony were like, nope, sorry, because I think we've talked about this previously. Sony can make Spider-Man related TV shows over an hour uh, or is it, uh, over half an hour to an hour, whereas anything half hour, which generally uh, animated stuff is, Marvel owned that outright. So Sony couldn't make a Spider-Man cartoon unless it was over half an hour long. Like, and you know, you couldn't go 31 minutes. You're talking 40 minutes plus, um, which they weren't going to do. So, which means you'd probably have to go live action to make it an hour long drama. And at the time, like a live action TV series with the budget necessary to do the, the stunts and stuff necessary for Spider-Man and the special effects, it was thought impossible. So this was killed by that whole thing, unfortunately, because they really planned this out for five, six. I mean, actually planned it out. The person who was in charge of this series is uh, was it Ben Wiseman. Greg Wiseman. He Greg went Wiseman. after this. He went on and did the Young Justice show for DC. I mean, you're right. Yeah, it is. It is a big shame. I'd not seen this show until now. I'd heard of it. It had always been spoken about very highly, referred to as being very close to the original. Source material, Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, John Romita Sr. It was said to be a very faithful adaption of that era of the Amazing Spider-Man comics. But as you were saying, initially they'd planned out more than what they did. Now, we both watched it on Netflix. According yep. to Netflix, there is one season of 26 episodes. In reality, <laughs> it's two seasons 13 episodes each. Yeah. Although a third season was initially planned, the series was cancelled before production could begin due to legal problems between Disney, who purchased Marvel during the show's run, and Sony Pictures Television, who had relinquished to Marvel the rights to produce any further TV content under 45 minutes using Spider-Man and associated characters ahead of their acquisition while retaining all production and distribution rights to the series. So they were stuck. They had all these plans, as you've said, well, there's nothing they could do. So what they had with this show, and again, watching it brand new now, this show is great. This is such a good Spider-Man show. And the fact that it couldn't continue because of, behind-the-scenes bullshit is a travesty because it is 
it's so good. The the art style, the storylines, the voice cast, all of it is working so well. But unfortunately, because of the sale to Disney, they couldn't continue. The series, it, it received widespread acclaim from both critics and fans, with praise being aimed at the exploration of surprisingly mature themes, the faithful portrayal of the Spider-Man and supporting characters, along with vocal performances from the cast, the unique character designs and art style, and the use of clever writing while paying homage to classic stories from the comics. I mean, all of that sounds... I was going to say amazing, but I'll say spectacular. All of that really <laughs> sounds so good. This, It's great. It's really good. And they just couldn't continue. Yeah, and as, moving on to Young Justice, you can see how talented Weissman actually is um, because he actually comes from, he used to be an English professor. His background is literature and how to teach it properly. He has a PhD in it um, and he broke it down. And when I actually follow a YouTuber called implicitly pretentious, who did a review of this after. So when I finished watching the episodes, I watched his review and I got a bunch of the information like their initial planning and that kind of stuff. But Weissman, he planned it out and it was going to be five years in real time with each, uh, season covering a semester of school which is why if you actually look at there were like four issue they're like four episode arcs and if you look at the uh, titles the first four episodes of season one is uh the subjects from biology uh season and they all run on this theme and the first season first 13 episodes six months of his life one semester at school the semester after he like first semester he's gotten bitten during or dealt with it during the summer holidays comes back to school expecting to be a new man doesn't work out that's one semester season two is the final semester of that same school year so you get him grow through a full year over two seasons and again it those continues those four episode mini arcs but all the episodes from episode one to the final episode that we got episode, we'll say 26, <laughs> but it sees episode 13 of season two, everything, nothing's wasted. It all rolls from one thing to the other, all the character development, all the things we've learned, uh, the ups and downs, it all builds and it's all everything. Everyone's progressing. It's not just Peter Parker, Flash Thompson's progressing. Um, Harry Osborn, Gwen Stacy, Mary Jane, the, all of their relationships and their personalities are all evolving along with it, which is important because that's how shows are supposed to work. And when you watch Young Justice, it's why Young Justice works so well. I was just going to say, that is so common. Yeah, those the characters age up and they, they learn lessons and you know, with Dick Grayson, he goes from being Robin to Nightwing over the course of the, the two, first two seasons because he's progressed, he's learned, and now he's mentoring those underneath him. Like, this is how Wiseman thinks because he's thinking character arcs and the longevity and psychology of, like, I need to get them from here to here to here because I, I ultimately want them over here, and I need to take them. I, I can't. If I'm bringing something up, I've got to bring it back. Um. And it's, it's, yeah, everything's, like I said, well done. The theme song is catchy. It's Oh, the the theme (laughs) is, yeah, the the theme is excellent. So you get the lyrics for the intro, but then the end credits, you get the instrumental version of that song. The band, The Tenderbox, Never heard of them before. They're a Los Angeles-based alt-rock band. But, yeah, it is it is great, and it's so different to what we've had before. I mean, back in 94, we've already reviewed that Spider-Man animated series. Then Joe Perry from 
Aerosmith. Aerosmith. Yes, yeah, so I was blanking for a moment from Aerosmith. But that is excellent, and I love it. But I, I like that they go for like a rock sound for Spider-Man because it really suits the character, more so Spider-Man than Peter Parker. But yeah, that yeah. is a really cool song that they have to to open it. But everything you're saying about Greg Weissman there, that you know, the growth of the characters, they mature over time. We're getting it in Young Justice. We start to get it in season two of Spectacular Spider-Man, but unfortunately it it didn't go any further beyond that. Now we've obviously credited Young Justice and this show, but there's a Disney show that he created and it is Gargoyles. Oh, remember that with Michael Dawn as Goliath? Gargoyles in modern time New York? I feel like you bring this up all the time. (laughs) To the point where we need to do an episode. I remember (laughs) when Disney Plus first launched, I think the the first five episodes, I'm pretty sure, of Gargoyles is like a five-parter. Yeah. It's one of the first things I watched on Disney Plus. <laughs> I was like, I know we've got things like Mandalorian, but I'm like, hey, I need to go back and rewatch some gargoyles. And that, yeah. that show, that was his. That was his show. So if you're looking at just three of the things that has worked on Gargoyles, Spider-Man, and Young Justice, all three great shows. But it wasn't just him that developed the show. We also got Victor Cook. Looking at his credentials outside of Spectacular Spider-Man, he worked on Scooby-Doo, Mystery Incorporated from 2010 until 2013, and Stretch Armstrong and the Flex Fighters from 2017 to 2018. That last one, no idea. (laughs) The Scooby-Doo show, I think that might be the one where they went for a different style of animation, where we'd look more like Family Guy animation compared to the traditional Hanna-Barbera animation style. Yeah. But both guys, I mean, yes, they definitely, you know, put a good show together and it was only going to be these two seasons because of that deal. Just to give it more acclaim, IGN named the Spectacular Spider-Man 30th in the top 100 best animated TV shows in January 2009. The series was also awarded best animated series in both 2008 and 2009, with the series version of the main character being named TV's best hero in 2008. It was placed second in the top 25 comic book TV shows in 2011. That was behind Batman the Animated Series. TV Guide listed the series as one of the 60 greatest animated series of all time. And again, as we've said, because of the sale to Disney, this show was no more. It was getting more acclaimed than I think any animated Spider-Man show since the 94 one. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it, it. I can't believe how robbed we've been. Uh, I mean, when you, when you look at the voice cast as well, uh, playing Peter Parker, Spider Man, Josh Keaton, who does a great job. Um, I haven't looked up as many of his stuff as uh, other works, but I mean, I'm pretty he's... sure. I'm pretty sure that he voiced Captain America in What If. I'm pretty sure it's him. And if it is, he did a dead-on Chris Evans. Yeah, uh, you've got, as Harry Osborn, James Arnold Taylor, who played Obi-Wan on the... Or I should say plays Obi-Wan. He does on the Clone Wars and anything else, like the Battlefront games from EA. Um, His fellow alumni from... (laughs) Clone Wars, uh, D. Bradley Baker, who of course does all, voices of all of the clones on all of the uh, shows, including the Bad Batch. Uh, he does the voice of Dr. Kirk Connors, the lizard. Um, I mean, they've got such big heavy hitters. You've got Trisha Helfer voicing Black Cat. Like, 
you know, uh, Galactic Battlestar Galactica, Lucifer. Um, she uh, she does the voice of Edie for the Mass Effect games. I mean, she's such a phenomenal actress. You've got John DiMaggio doing Hammerhead. You know, Bender himself. I mean, Joe DiMaggio does so much voice work, but like he's a I'm I'm one of the Mount Rushmore of voice actor names in the industry. He's definitely Nancy Brown. Yeah, because it well, he's also there on the Mount Rushmore. And I'm not sure how many heads we can have. It's four, isn't it? Is it four? Is it four heads? Yeah. But so many people. Kevin Michael Richardson, like he does a few voices in this, mainly Tombstone. Yeah, big man. He's yeah. Although, quite prominent in this. Uh, Keith David does him in season one, and Kevin Michael Richardson does him in season two. Ah, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, which I mean, if I didn't look it up, I wouldn't have picked it. But yeah, well, Keith David again, Captain if, Anderson from the Master Effect games. Yes, well, I was going to say again that if you're watching it as one season on Netflix, you're not really going to notice as much that it is a, a different act. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, uh, Robert Englund, Freddy Krueger as the Vulture. <laughs> That's great. Well, what about this, Ed Asner? As Ben Parker. Great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> such good, such good casting. And and if you're looking for a Spider-Man connection, Ed Asner, he voiced J. Jonah Jameson in the 94 animated series. Yeah, he's done such a great job as as well. Um, you've got uh Lacey Chabay as Gwen Stacy, the original Meg uh, Griffin. <laughs> Like for the first season of Family Guy. Oh, really? So it, two seasons. I didn't realize. I thought it was always. And I'm no. Who is it? Black hair. That's the one. I thought it was always her. Is that not the case? No. Yeah. If you watch season one, I'm pretty. I, I can't remember if she's done season two as well. They don't have all the like shut up Meg stuff. Uh, she's ah. like sweet and loved, and that's Lacey Chabay. And then they're like. Nah, like we're gonna sh- we're gonna crap on her character and then bring in Mila Kunis to give her attitude. Right. Um, I I didn't know that. And I watched all the early Family Guy. I just always remember it being Mila Kunis. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, Lacey Chabay and Gwen Stacy does a great job. And they you see, and her character evolves a lot over the course of these two seasons. She goes from we're just nerd, talking best friend. 26 episodes yeah there's a lot of growth in that time yeah um and you know the the voice talent continues to go on peter mcnichol as ham uh doc ock oh like, great yeah such good casting vanessa marshall's mary jane watson yeah and they do something really smart with i mean hera again from disney star wars uh hera Syndulla. um but with her she comes in as like this free spirit, which is very much like the uh, Stanley, Steve Ditko, um, John Romita Sr. early Spider-Man stuff because that's it was the 60s when they're writing this. And Gwen Stacy was the traditional girl next door, like high school romance thing. And I've seen interviews with Stanley talks about like when he brought in Mary Jane, she was so fun to write. That he kind of started like it wasn't that he always planned to have Peter Parker end up with MJ. It was just that she seemed so much more interesting to write because of her personality and the free spirit and the, the the era in which they were when they were making these. And he kind of got bored of Gwen Stacy, which says so she kind of fell by the wayside for like a large portion, which is probably why the next writer off behind him was like, Yeah, you know what, you're right, she's boring. I'm gonna kill her off. <laughs> Yep, we're going to use Goblin to do it. Yeah, um, but she, you know, they, she's not an antagonist, or she's not like distracting or anything. They, they bring in the acting stuff for the character, which you know, when you get down the line, it becomes super important. But she's actually a good friend, and she helps lift up Peter Parker, not Spider Man. She's interested in Peter Parker as an individual. Like, and helps, and she drags a lot of the characters out of their shells and helps drive development, um, not just for them, but for herself. It's they do this with all of the side characters, 
But Mary Jane Watson, though, she's always been such a great character. And think back to the comics, and we've seen it in animation, we've seen it in live action as well. She can be cheesy, but it just works for the character. You mentioned, you know, the, the time that she's, you know, whether she's being an actress or, or a model. But whenever, it doesn't matter which version of MJ, you know, whether it's a comic, film, TV, just the line, face it, Tiger, you've hit the jackpot. And they always build it up correctly as well. Like, and it's, yeah, they the bring delivery. up the, the, the ace, like, oh, Miss Great Personality. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> like, it's like code for she's not a looker. He's, oh, she's got a great personality. Well, and that's it. Yeah, everyone yeah. reacts the same way. Like, yeah. they, they, and it's, so, it's, it's always so smartly. And that was right from the get go in the comics. You know, there was like, like six to months to a year worth. In the comics, of, oh, I didn't realize it was of it was like, that long. oh, like you have to meet up with this, like my friend's niece, like you'll love her. She's got such a great personality, and Peter, like, oh, wow, like I know what that means, yeah. Going, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we and get like, that in the show, of, like you see her silhouette, like as she turns up, and he's like, oh crap, out the back door, like swinging away, like don't want to, don't want to be here for this. Like it was an ongoing thing, and so you, and you never saw her. So that was the original reveal in the comic was. And we get it here, but she's she's a supporting character with her own catchphrase. That's not yeah. always a thing, and and it is here. And MJ, yeah, always liked her as a character, and we we get a good version of that character here. Who we yeah. oh, actually Steve Blum. We need to talk yeah. about Steve Blum. He voices a few characters on the show, but primarily Green Goblin. Yeah, who's going? I want to say full Mark Hamill. Like we're getting <laughs> a very maniacal Green Goblin here. He does voice other characters as well: Chameleon, Blackie Gaxton, Dilbert Trilby, Seymour O'Reilly. But Green Goblin—that's the one. And I've got to ask though, what's going on with the zappy finger? <laughs> like, he's what's what is that? That's something he has in the comics. He has right. uh, micro tech lasers in his gloves. It's just he was tied up at one time. He used his finger to zap the ropes and he was freed. I knew it yeah, must have been a comic thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, they don't use it as often anymore. It's kind of been one of those things they've fallen by the wayside and he's resorted, resorted to his acrobatics on the glider, his brute strength, and his uh, pumpkin bombs, of course, which is... They do that little sound effect. They're like... Like these little screams when they when they detonate, which I mean, you know exactly what you're hearing when you hear one of those bombs go off. Like yeah. Green Goblin's coming. Like Green Goblin's responsible. Like it's a, such a interesting and it's almost like a like a little goblin laugh. Um, but again, that Wiseman with his English teacher background, the thing they do in the second season, like the ultimate culmination of like who the goblin is as a character is they're doing a Midsummer Night's Dream and uh, Puck the Elf. And the goblin is reci- reciting in rhyme like Shakespeare. And they're doing the thing with the, the, the production of the characters prepping for the Yeah, so the characters the in the episode are actually putting on the show, but it's tying into yeah. the events of the episode. Yeah, and it's so well done. I'm like, this is genius. I mean, this is... Someone should have stolen this and put it on a like a, a live action TV drama. It is. I mean, it just so well executed. Is evident in that first season that because there's been so many animated Spider Man shows, but that first season alone, okay, this is different. This is because di- think right, we've got the ninety four animated series on the back yes. of that which we've already reviewed on the podcast, we've got Spider-Man Unlimited, which is a very different thing. And that's another example of an animated Spider-Man series getting affected by who has the rights, who can do what at what time. And after that, this may have been the next one. I know after this, we've got Ultimate Spider-Man, then Marvel's Spider-Man. But the second season of this, even though, again, on Netflix, it plays as 26 episodes, there's an obvious distinction between season one and season two. The 
artwork, the character designs, all of that carries over, but the approach to season two is completely different. These yeah, guys like they're more confident and they're, they're not they're just different. making a kid show. They are yeah. not just making a show for a young audience. I mean, granted, they will want them to watch, but they are watching a show that can be enjoyed by adults, you know, whether you're a fan of Spider-Man or animation in general. There's something else happening with this show. And again, I can't state it enough, such a crime that this show didn't go beyond these two seasons. Because again, like you, I'd never seen it. So when yeah. we were talking about looking at reviewing it for the show and I looked at the episode count, I'm like, and I'd heard so much, so many good things about this over the years. I couldn't believe when I looked, there were only 26 episodes. Yeah, like 26. But now, can knock that out easy. But now we know why. One of the things that I thoroughly enjoyed about every single episode when you get to the end, it ends with Spider-Man's mask beamed onto the scene, and it's like, how are they going to do it? It is it a night sky? And I enjoyed, because you, you mentioned that, so we're going through a school year, which yeah. means you're going to go through the seasons, you're going to go through the holidays. So it's Halloween. Now it's Christmas. Now it's yeah. New Year. So it's like, right, where's the spider sign going to be? And a Christmas one, it was like a snowflake. It it was just, yeah, really, really enjoyed all of that. But just seeing that big spider sign in the sky straight away, you think Steve Ditko, definitely early Spider-Man. And we can talk about each individual season. I know you've, you've, well, you've talked about it a little bit already. Season one is divided into four arcs. The Lizard arc, the Tombstone arc, the Green Goblin arc, and the Symbiote Venom arc. Each arc contains three episodes, except for the Venom arc, which has four. A lot of the enemies are introduced in this season, all with their own plot and backstory. So it's yeah. as you were saying, like the approach, the structure, and it just goes to show. I mean, you've said they planned 65 episodes, tie-in movies. These guys must have been devastated. Yeah. Some shows, season by season, see how it goes. Are people interested? Is it popular enough? Maybe we'll get another one. We'll plan a story when we get to it. Not this show. They had a definite plan. And just hearing their approach to each season, so disappointed that they weren't able to continue it. And again, like the reviews from critics and audiences, all praising the show. It had nothing to do with the show at all. Yeah, critically acclaimed as well. Like, I mean, everyone, this is if this was to come out now with those kind of reviews, it would be like Rick and Morty. Oh, has seven more seasons right off the bat. Like just how many more can we get out of you? How much more do you have in you? Like clearly, like I said, within terms of those involved, like heavily invested, like 65, no problem. We'll take him right, right through from high school to college, like, like and through college. Like we'll get him through into an adulthood like easily. Yeah. We've got plenty of story to cover to get us there. Like ah, robbed. And they had robbed a plan. I also give high praise to it, but Spider-Man from 94, that wasn't this Spider-Man though. That was him in college. Yeah. But this yeah. was taking him back to how the comic first started. And it's such a pure take on Peter Parker, Spider-Man. With yeah. season two, it was also divided into four arcs. The second season has the Master Planner arc, a second Venom arc, the Gang War arc, and the second Green Goblin arc. This season progresses the relationships between the characters and brings some minor characters, allies, and villains into much bigger roles. The second season, we get a lot more 
Captain Stacy. Yeah, yeah. And um again, it's the thing they're building and they're doing it so expertly that he's uh Captain Stacy's uh kind of substitute teaching, like doing criminology and that sort of stuff at the school because of course his daughter goes there, makes sense he would. But he's clearly figured out that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And he's saying kind of like covering for him and telling it and like letting him know without saying it out loud, like I'm on to you, I know. I mean, he's almost okay. winking at him. Yeah. It's yeah. So, like, you know, it's obvious to us that he knows, but it works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it makes sense as well because that's how it went in the comics. Um, and talking about uh, implicitly pretentious in his review of the comic books. He's actually reading through the entire 100 issues of the Lee run from Lee Ditko to Lee Remita Senior. And what he said during the, the college years is all of the adults up until Captain Stacy turns up are all like, ah, oh, Spider-Man, oh, he's, he's no good. Uh, young people, all that, and you get it like, kind of hammered at you. Um, and then when Captain Stacy turns up, he's the first person to be like, no, no, Spider-Man's doing great. Like, good job, Spider-Man. And he's like a positive influence, like the first adult positive influence in the entire run. It doesn't come into like issue 32 or something. So you're getting like as a deep in the run, like, you know, Ditko's out, Romita Sr.'s in when Captain Stacy first turns up and it's such a, like a breath of fresh air and relief. And you get that right off the bat, like they're already in season one lampooning Spider-Man like as a bad guy. And he's like, ah, I don't believe it. Like, let's look more into this. Like, he doesn't seem some he's off. Like, wait, wasn't isn't Spider-Man wearing black now? Why is this guy? Why would he be changing between black and red and blue? That doesn't make sense. Why would a person do such a thing? I mean, he's, he's onto it from the get-go. And it's clear from that first season, he's trying to figure out who Spider-Man is. And then, like we just said, he's, season two, he's clearly figured it out, but not early season two, late season two. Yeah. You know, things have progressed, I guess, being around Peter Parker more at school. He's like, wait a minute, something about this kid is familiar. Um, yeah, all of it's so well done. Or, like, can, I, just- can I just say, though, I like you've been talking and praising the shakespeare framing device of season two i appreciate it i like that they're doing something different but didn't completely work for me now because and i've said already that often what they're doing on stage while rehearsing will play into the actual story and then some of those points where it's the villains or the heroes will resemble what's happening on stage with the kids production i get it i like that they're not just making another spider-man cartoon they're doing something different here but it it didn't work for me as well as that first season i thought the first season was a lot stronger but because season one season two didn't have the same framing device no doubt seasons three four and five would have been different also yeah so it is a shame we didn't see what came after, but for me, what I was left with when I watched all 26 episodes, I just had 13 episodes of this theater framing device. <laughs> and, but yeah. it still worked. And, and again, it was definitely a continuation of what had come before, but I was riding a high for those first 13 episodes. Not a complete dip, but at times it did. I mean, it did all... I mean, the finale, what ended up being the series finale was the episode Final Curtain. Very fitting. So I don't know how much notice they got that it was going to end, whether they'd wrapped, it was done, and then they found out. But it kind of works as 26 episodes. Yeah. But I guess we'll never know. I mean, obviously, we've said the show has cancelled. I do have 
some future plot details. I'm not sure if you've looked into this or not. Due to the show's cancellation, many storylines were abandoned. In season three, Kurt would have moved to Florida and begun working on a cure for Electro, and a planned DVD spring break movie would have also been set in Florida between seasons two and three, as well as movies between seasons three and four and between season four and five. Scorpion, Hydro Man and Hobgoblin were confirmed to be major villains for season three, in addition to Carnage, Mr. Negative and Morbius, the Living Vampire. So we already got so many classic Spider-Man villains in those first two seasons, but they were planning on expanding, bringing even more characters in. After the initial 65-episode series plan and movies, which would have covered the character's entire duration in high school, Greg Wiseman had wished to produce DVD sequels covering Peter's college years and his eventual marriage to Mary Jane. Yeah. It would have been and- the whole life of Spider-Man, essentially, yeah. what we know from the comics and film. Yeah, and they introduced Miles Warren in season two, who in the comics becomes the Jackal, who is the guy who's obsessed with cloning Spider-Man. Oh, there you like, go. It's the clone saga would have yeah. absolutely happened. And he was the guy that took over from Kurt Connors. The reason why he's going to Florida in the first place, because he was going to blackmail him or he was blackmailing yeah. him. Yeah. Because he yeah. knew that in reality he was, the lizard. Oh, the character designs, the portrayal of the characters on the show. So cool. We should probably note, though, there's definite things in this show that were in the movies. Like a big example of that is Dr. Octopus having the inhibitor chip from Spider-Man 2. Yeah, and even the line of dialogue, when we get the flashback during the initial symbiote saga, you've got um, you see him become Spider-Man, and it's the 15 super spiders. There's 14. Oh, and the, I mean, line for line from the Maguire movies, the Raimi movies, like, obviously taken influence, you know, like, you know what, tip of the hat, we, we'll use those. Like, this is likely what people are familiar with. Like, lean into it. Why... Why, why, if you're going to steal, steal from the best kind of thing, you know, um, and it works, it works so well. It, it does, like, it, and it's, and again, it's more like it reminds you of the films. Like, again, it's not a shared continuity, nothing like that, but oh, okay, everybody loves Spider Man 2. Yeah, that movie is amazing. Yeah, so to have it referenced in this animated series in the portrayal of Doc Ock is just. Perfect. So I did like those notes to the movies. But keep in mind that when this show came out, I mean, what what year would it? It would have been 2008. So we had not had Andrew Garfield yet. Years yep. before Andrew Garfield. So if you're looking at the big screen outside of Nicholas Hammond, your live action Spider-Man is Tom Maguire. So it is pretty cool that they referenced those films. Yeah, absolutely. What we often talk about when talking about an animated show, what's very important to the success of an animated series? Now, granted, we've talked about all the things going against this show, but it's whether or not it had a toy line because toys are where they make money. Yes, they're going to make some money off the animated series in syndication, but it's the toys. And this film... And this TV series did have toys. They were released by Hasbro in 2008. But a year later, February 2009, McDonald's Happy Meals celebrated their 30th anniversary with the spectacular Spider-Man toys. And then the following February... Burger King included the spectacular Spider-Man toys in its kids' meals toy deals or kids' meals, essentially. Yeah. 
today, I mean, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. The fact that both McDonald's and Burger King are doing tie-in promotions, this show was a hit. It was a hit show that was unfortunately cancelled before its time. Yeah, because for those who would be interested, the Green Lantern CGI series by DC, the reason we never got its uh, following seasons was because Toy Stores had been uh, burdened with Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern action figures. So when they tried to sell them on Green Lantern animated series action figures, they just saw Green Lantern and were like, nah, not again. And yeah. that's what le- directly led to the show's cancellation. That is what happened. And that, and that was a is DC, irrelevant. <laughs> that was a DC animated series produced by Bruce Tim. Although it's 3D animation, it was essentially the Batman, the animated series design. And, yeah. and you're right. Toy stores still had leftover Green Lantern movie toys, and we're not going to risk more. Yeah. Even to this day, if you've got an animated show, uh, and you're through like a gen, uh, normal uh, avenues in terms of showing on network television, cable television, not so much streaming anymore, but definitely those the original two. You need to be moving toys. If they're not making money off you through merchandise, you're not going to last, regardless of the quality of your content. But without looking into what happened behind the scenes, this the cancellation of this show just doesn't make sense. Yeah. High praise from critics, audiences, a Hasbro toy line, McDonald's, Happy Meals, Kids Meals from Burger King. Behind the scenes, bad timing. And there's yeah. no way Disney was going to make the purchase and continue something that they had nothing to do with. And instead, we got Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. Which I did start watching. And they had Clark Gregg from The Avengers voicing yeah. Coulson, now a high school teacher at Peter Parker's yeah. school. And then we got Teenage... White Tiger, Iron Fist, Luke Cage. I'm sure there's somebody else in there. And it was a different... Oh, Nova, that's right. And it was a different kind of show. And that went for a number of years. J.K. Simmons doing J. Jonah Jameson. So there you go. So they they were trying. But they had made a mistake. We understand why they couldn't continue with the show. But what came next wasn't better than this. It's unfortunate no. that the show was just two seasons. It, it's such a shame because normally if something's cancelled, it's like a number of seasons in. And for whatever reason, it's gone off the rails. It's not as good, not as successful. And that's not what happened here. No. It was a business a successful deal. successful show, yeah. <laughs> it was a, a business deal. show killed by business. I mean, granted, Disney since have given us a lot of good Marvel content, whether it's on the big screen, on Disney+, Plus, but at the same time, even though we both came to the show late, it's disappointing. It's disappointing that it was only two seasons, but for the most part, I've really enjoyed the two seasons. So if you're going to rate this show out of five... I gotta, I gotta give it five. Like on terms of its merits as an animated show, I mean, I have to agree with the critics of the time. You know, you, it's in that rarefied air of the Avatar, Last Airbender, Batman, the animated series, uh, the original '94 animated series that I grew up on. I mean, it just. Everything's so expert. Young Justice, I put in that list as well because of how, like, again, same people behind the scenes, the execution, the long term planning, character development, all the things that make any TV series work. I mean, if you don't have those things on 
any show, whether you're uh, police procedural or some sitcom, if the characters don't develop, you know, Big Bang Theory, all the characters develop and Friends characters develop. If they don't develop, they become stale and boring. Uh, You're not going to stick around with them. Like the actors are not going to stick around. They get, they want to be challenged. This had everything going for it. And everyone who's a fan of the source material, of high quality animation, everyone should check this out. It does work as what we got. It doesn't feel like super obvious of like, oh, we it was ripped away from us. They left this thing, too many things hanging in the air, obvious plot threads. You can see some of the seams of like, oh, we're going to go somewhere with this and this. But it just, yeah, it, it works. It's it's a shame. Five, I give it a solid five. If I was just rating the first 13 episodes, so season one, like you, I would come in at a five, solid. I really enjoyed that first season. And there's a lot to enjoy about the second season as well. I don't know if it's if it's just the Shakespeare framing device. I'm, I don't know if it's... I, I, I don't know, but I didn't enjoy the second season as much. So it's going to bring me down, but I'm not going to come down any lower than a four. And it's a high four as well. This is a great show. I can't believe it's taken the two of us this long to actually watch the show. I mean, they do make a change, actually. Black Cat's dad, Felicia Hardy's dad, kills Uncle Ben. Yeah, and it's I it's didn't, so well. I've not seen that before. I don't know if Neither it's in the I. comics. I've not seen that before. Um, I know it makes sense. We're like now talking about prison. Yes, it ties them together more. It's just, it's just a smart idea. On I know that. this is an odd way of doing it. We've done our rating, and now we're talking about the show further. Get any more detail, I guess. The Green Goblin reveal. When we when the second season, I'm like, so what is it? Because they lean so heavily into it being Harry, but then when you find out that it was Norman setting up his son, but Spider Man's like, but what about the limp? Yeah, Norman did it. He hurt yeah. his son's leg whilst he was yeah. unconscious, and yeah, then what is, yeah. we've got but if Goblin's there and Norman's in the helicopter and Harry's like, wait a minute, earlier. You thanked Spider-Man. You, you don't thank anybody. Oh, you apologised. And you don't apologise to anybody. And then it's revealed that it was Chameleon. The whole time. And then you and find out. It was just an accident. And earlier, Chameleon was pretending to be Norman for somebody else. Norman took it's advantage of that. Because <laughs> at the time, it's like, okay, so uh, this is the second season. I'm still sticking to my four, but in the towards the end of the second season, you, you get the mystery. Like, okay, so are they really doing something different? At one point, Harry's really saying, it's not mum, is it? <laughs> is it mum? <laughs> and then you're like, who is it? Who is it? And then I'm glad that he actually ended up being Norman Osborn because it always should be. But in the comics, we have had Harry as Green Goblin before, so you could buy into it in the show. That was a good reveal at the end because this is a very cartoony, comic book, Green Goblin, but I I really liked him in the show, like the elf character design. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the genius. I mean, he was single-handedly dismantling everyone else's criminal uh empires and seamlessly stepping into the void like but it's the expert manipulation and well it's the joker it's a joker approach in dc where it appears as though he's just chaos and he doesn't have a plan yeah like joker green goblin does have a plan oh actually another you know we mentioned you know connections with the movies in osborne's office all the masks. Yeah. We first got that in the Sam Raimi films, and it's again seen in this animated series. 
you know, this this is great. I've got friends of mine who are big Spider-Man fans and they've missed this show just like we did. It's really odd that this show has been out there for as long as it has, but so many people have just missed it. Yeah, it's baffling. I mean, I maybe it didn't get shown as much here in Australia. Like it didn't find a network or something to attach itself to, or maybe it was just at the time it came out was too distracted. But yeah, it's an odd that, one. Like it, it could yeah. be, it could have been where it was made available. I mean, we've said a couple of times we both watched this on Netflix. And the reason why we're saying that is because if you go to Disney Plus, they've got most Spider-Man content. They don't have the Sam Raimi films, and they don't have this. If you here in Australia, if you want to watch Sam Raimi streaming, you need to go to Binge. I think if you want to watch the first Andrew Garfield Amazing Spider-Man film, it's on Netflix. Spectacular Spider-Man is Netflix. If you're looking for Spider-Man from 94, Spider-Man and his amazing friends, you can go to Disney+. Plus. But Spider-Man is scattered at the moment, but I guess it's tied up with the issues we spoke about earlier, the reason why this show is Netflix and not Disney+. Plus. I reckon if this was on Disney+, Plus, just, I mean, Marvel's Spider-Man that's on there, a more recent animated series, I reckon it would find a wider audience that way. Maybe one day it'll find itself on there. But even the Tom Holland Spider-Man films, although MCU, Sony, not on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Another MCU film, not on Disney+, Plus. The Incredible Hulk, Edward Norton. Because it's a universal property, technically. I know, but come on. How deep are Disney's pockets? I'm sure yeah. they can sort it out if they really wanted to. But anyway, hopefully you have seen The Spectacular Spider-Man if you listen to this, because we have spoiled some things. But even if you've not seen it and you've listened anyway, check it out. This is a show that must be watched. It is a bloody good Spider-Man show. Well, that's it for our episode all about The Spectacular Spider-Man. If you would like to contact us about this episode or suggest a topic for an upcoming episode, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. You've been listening to Luke and Jay, the guys from Sounds Like Comics. See you soon.